Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. If you turn your Bibles to John chapter 8 this evening. John chapter 8. I was driving home this morning and my wife and I were talking a little bit and she said to me, she goes, that was a good message, but seems like you cut a little close this morning. So I was like, okay, all right. I thought about that and I, I understand that. So I'm gonna take it back a little bit, but I'm still gonna give you something I think God's laid on my heart. I trust that I could be a blessing to you this, this evening. Trust that I was a blessing to you this morning. And I trust that you would take what God lays on my heart and that I was obedient to him. And I'm gonna do the same thing tonight. When I was thinking about this morning's message, I thought about something I said in my morning message and I wanna be able to kind of piggyback from there and make sure that we understand as Christians, you know, how we deal with adversary, how we deal with things when we mess up, how we want people to treat us, and when we see others that mess up, how we should treat them. And I thought about John chapter 8 this evening, and you can stay seated, but we're going to begin in verse number 1. And in John chapter 8, this is a story of a woman who is both afraid and, and ashamed. And as you're going to see in a moment, she was ashamed because she had been caught in the act of adultery. She had been caught being intimate with a man she wasn't married to. She was also afraid because she knew that act and the crime could cost her her life. Here's what I want you to see. Let's begin here and read the story beginning at verse number one. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. 
And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and a woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Have no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for bringing us back here again this evening. I pray, Father, now, Lord, that you would uh, be with those under the sound of my voice this evening. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would open their hearts and open up their ears. I pray, Father, that you would empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. I pray, Father, that I would say only what you would have me to say this evening. And Father, may I be a blessing to your people and to you, Father. May I be obedient. And Father, I pray now, Lord, that you would work in the midst here this evening. I pray, Father, that I could be an encouragement to those. And Father, I pray, Lord, that I can be able to teach what you would have me to teach and that they were able to use it in their lives. We love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I don't know of any story in the Bible that invites us on how we ought to see others and how we ought to see ourselves in this story. If you are what you call, consider a very religious person, there is something you can learn in this story. If you are on the other side of the spectrum and you are what they consider a non-religious person, there is something you can learn in this story. And if you are quote-unquote conservative and you think sin ought to be dealt with in a tough way, you can learn something from this story. Uh, if you consider yourself more modern and more liberal and you think sin ought to be dealt with in a tolerant way, there is something you can learn from this story. Because there is a message here that helps us to deal with issues like tolerance versus acceptance, judging others versus judging sin, standing up for what is right and standing up against what is wrong, but doing it at the right time in the right way with the right spirit, with the right motive, and with the right heart. And there's three wonderful lessons that we learn about from this lady that was caught in adultery, about how to relate to other people who blow it, who mess up, who don't get what they need to get, or they are where they shouldn't be. Three things I want you to learn that Jesus teaches us. Number one, if you're taking notes this morning or this evening, be careful in how you see the shame of others. Be careful in how you see the shame of others. See, Jesus is in the temple. It's early in the morning, and evidently there was a Bible study group that met Jesus on a regular basis, and they're having a Bible study. They're having a great time minding their own business. And all of a sudden, the moral enemies of Jesus, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they come bursting in on the scene. They got a woman by the very hair of her head, and they're dragging her across the dirt, and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. This woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Let me clue you in on something. The Pharisees really didn't give a rip about this woman. They weren't bent out of shape because this woman was committing adultery. That was not the problem. She was just a pawn on the chessboard of their confrontation. See, what they were really trying to do, what they were trying to trap Jesus, let's pick up that story here in verse number two. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, that's so that everybody could see her right 
in the middle. In verse number four, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Tough situation. I mean, this woman was caught in the act, and the term is red-handed. I mean, how many of you have ever been caught doing something that you shouldn't have been doing? I mean, now let's be honest. I said it this morning. If you had those red and blue lights come on, then you were doing something you shouldn't. We've all been caught red-handed. I mean, she was caught red-handed. Quite frankly, what the Pharisees were doing was, what were they doing snooping around somebody's bedroom? I mean, were, were they never told in this story what they were actually doing. But that's the part I don't get. I mean, what are they doing? They ought to be arrested for being peeping Toms. But, but be that as they may, they have set this woman up because, by the way, I bet you ladies noticed something. The man, he's not ever even mentioned here. I know that's just the way it is. But what they tell you is this. This was a setup. I mean, they didn't care about the adultery. They really weren't into being peeping toms. They were trying to set up a trap for Jesus. Here's a woman who can't hide her shame. I mean, her reputation is ruined. From now on, she will be known as the adulteress. She'll be called, you know, you can imagine the names. I won't say them from the pulpit tonight, but she'll be looking down upon and everywhere, and she goes, heads will turn, fingers will point, people will whisper. She's totally steeped in shame. And furthermore, this is not hearsay. This is not gossip. This lady was caught. There are eyewitnesses. They can testify in the court of law. Uh, she's guilty. She knows she's guilty. The Pharisees know she's guilty. Jesus knows she's guilty. She, she's laying there bathing in her shame. Well, the Pharisees think they have Jesus in a dilemma. Because really, three things right now are at stake at the story. First, the law of Moses is at stake. Uh, because the law is very clear. I was reading my quiet time just the other day through the Bible this year is what I'm reading about this law. And in this law, if a man and woman are caught in adultery, they ought to be stoned to death, capital punishment. So the law of Moses was at stake. The life of this woman was at stake. I mean, if you're going to obey the law, if you're going to carry out the letter of the law, this woman has got to die. Then the love of Jesus is at stake because Jesus says, no, no, let her go. Then you don't really believe the Bible is the word of God. And if Jesus says stone her right now, then they're going to say, see, he really isn't a friend of sinners. He doesn't love people like he says that he does. If you were there, you could have heard a pin drop in the grass. It was like deathly quiet there. What is she going to do? Or what is he going to do? What is he going to say? He knows those rotten, stinking Pharisees. They're right. That is what the law says. What are you going to say? Nobody can do it like Jesus. He does what you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect him to do. He responds in a totally amazing way. Look at verse number six. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger he wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. Um, what did he write? Why did he stoop down? It's the only time in the Bible that if we ever told that Jesus wrote anything and he kneels down and he doesn't say a word and he starts writing, you can only speculate what he wrote. But if you don't mind, I'm going to give you my personal speculation. The word that is used there for write in the Greek language is not the usual word. See, that usual word for write, it is where we get the word grapho, 
we get that word graft, that is to write. That is not the word that is used here. It is a word that is used very rarely in the New Testament. It is a word that means to write against or to write out a charge against someone else. i tell you what I believe Jesus did. He's there and he's kneeling on the ground and he has everybody making noise and they're yelling at him and they're telling him, what are you going to do? And I believe as he was writing on the ground, he wrote the word lust. He wrote the word lust. Because you remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, you heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. But I say unto you in verse 28 that, whos- that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her have committed adultery with her already in his heart. So those self-righteous, pharisaical hypocrites who are so ready to take this woman out, they start backing up. Then I think they were thinking about murder. And I think he knelt down and he wrote down on the ground again the word anger. Could you imagine there also in the Sermon on Mount? In verse 21 it said, Ye have heard it that it was said of them of old time, Thou should not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. As they were building their case, Jesus was building his case. And he turns the tables because instead of judging the woman, he is judging the judges. He said, okay, you talk about her sin, let's talk about yours. Look what happens in verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Have you heard people say that? They never see that person that throws the first punch, but he always catches the one that retaliates. I have a feeling he was grinning from ear to ear because when they heard it, they begin to go out one by one, beginning with the oldest. And he was left alone. And the woman where she was in the center of the court, when you, when you study this story, you know what it does? It takes you out of the rock-throwing business. I want you to write something down. I want to share with you a lesson I want you to take home with you tonight. Before you look at others through your eyes, look at yourself through God's eyes. Before you look at others through your eyes, look at yourself through God's eyes. That's where the Pharisees missed it. They were looking at this lady through their eyes. They didn't see themselves through God's eyes. One man put it this way, don't be so hard on a man that that errors or repel him with wood or stone unless you are so doubly sure you have no fault of your own. This woman was ashamed and she should have been ashamed. She'd done wrong. She had been broken a commandment. She committed adultery. Nothing wrong with shame. But here's the problem. Anytime we ever use the shame of someone else to make us feel self-righteous, we need to remember, first of all, we were not without sin either. You know, Jesus, everybody had a rock. And Jesus said, okay, he is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. I'm sure he went to one of the Pharisees and says, man, you look like a starting pitcher. Why don't you throw it? Oh, you look like you can throw a fastball. Why don't you throw it now? That's okay. And you look like a relief pitcher. Why don't you throw that stone? 
No, that's okay. No, thank you. And one by one, the rocks begin to drop. See, we are not without sin. Here's the second thing to remember. Except for the grace of God, we would be in the other person's position. See, we forget that from time to time. We are so quick to point fakers, fingers and so quick to condemn. Pharisees came out screaming, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. And Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, shame on who? You got it all wrong. You missed the boat. Now, the story doesn't stop there. Because if it did, quite frankly, we would not learn the full lesson that Jesus was trying to teach them. And he was trying to teach the woman. And he was trying to teach us. Because not only should we be careful in how we see the sin of others, write this down, number two. Be consistent in how we see the sin of others. Be consistent in how we see the sin of others. Everybody has left. Everybody is gone. Even the, the Bible class took off. Nobody's there. It's just Jesus and this woman. I want you to go down to verse number 11. And notice the very last thing Jesus says. To this woman, he already said to her, I'm not going to condemn you. But notice what he says, go and sin no more. Now, that one statement really helps to clarify a misunderstanding that a lot of people have about this story. See, we all heard the saying, God loves the sinner, but hates the sin. I believe this is theologically true. God loves the sinner, but God hates the sin. However, what you're going to see in a moment, listen carefully, a woman's sin was forgiven, but it wasn't excused. See, Jesus didn't say girls will be girls and boys will be girls. And okay, I, I, they have this physical drive and it's hard to expect them to live pure life and the society that they're living in today. But just don't worry about it. The story does not teach that. You can't call wrong, wrong. It does not teach you can't call sin, sin. It does not teach that you cannot judge the sinful action of other people. What it does say is this. Here is the point. Jesus was not saying only sinless people could judge the actions of other people. I mean, if that was true, we couldn't have courts today. I mean, because there are no perfect judges and there's no such thing as justice. See, the truth of the matter is, you may not like this, but it's the truth. I not only have the right to condemn what the Bible condemns, I have a responsibility to condemn it. What the Bible condemns. I don't only have the right to call something what is wrong, wrong. I have the responsibility to call wrong that is wrong. But here's the difference. Even though we're not to judge the thief... We are the judge of stealing. Even though I'm not to judge the liar, I am to judge his lying. Even though I'm not to judge the homosexual, I am to judge his homosexuality. Even though I'm not to judge the adulterer, I am to judge his adultery. Even though I'm not to judge the gossiper, I am to judge the gossip. See, don't think you have to be perfect to condemn sin. Condemning sin is not the same thing as judging a sinner. See, the Pharisees wanted to judge the sinner. Jesus said, I am not going to judge the sinner, but I am going to condemn the sin. And when Jesus told that woman to go, and, but don't sin no more, this is a great lesson to learn. Write this down. This is a lesson to take home today. God loves us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to let us stay that way. See, God loves us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to let us stay that way. See, if you are, and just fill in the blank, a pornographer, a pimp, a prostitute, a lesbian, a homosexual, an adulterer, a fornicator, an alcoholic, a drug addict, fill in the plate. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He didn't say to the woman, clean your act up and I'll forgive you. He's, he didn't say to the woman, get right and I'll get right with you. He said to the woman, I forgive you. 
You go and you sin no more. See, it's not my place to condemn the sinner, but it is my place to condemn the sin. Jesus didn't say, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin some more. See, you got to learn to be balanced. You have to learn to be consistent and see the sin of other people. You, yes, you do. And a spirit of humility, yes, you do it with the understanding. Unless, by the grace of God, you being in that person's position doesn't mean you don't condemn the wrongdoing of other people. As a matter of fact, you know why God forgives us when we ask him to forgive us? He doesn't forgive us so we could clean up the sin. He forgives us so we will go out and, and not continue to sin. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalms 130 and verse 4, it reads, But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. See, you come to God and you do wrong, and you say, God, you forgive me? And God says, yes, I will forgive you. However, here's the deal. I forgive you, but go and sin no more. Be careful how you see the shame of others. Be consistent in how you see the sin of others. And then thirdly, be compassionate and how you see the soul of others. Now go back to that moment. Can you get this in your mind? You have, I, I don't know, maybe 20, maybe 25 people. They all have these big rocks. Uh, Jesus stoops down and he writes in the sand. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Then all of a sudden, you start hearing rocks drop. Feet start shuffling one by one. Everybody's kind of slides out of the back door. Jesus stands up, looks at this woman in the eye and says to her in verse 10, where are those thine accusers? Have no man condemned thee? Verse 11, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now you probably already picked up in the story. We don't even know who this woman was. We don't even know her name. Don't have a clue who she was. But I do know she had a heart that needed to be cleansed. I do know she had a soul that needed to be forgiven. And I do know she had a life that needed to be changed. And did you see how compassionate Jesus was to this woman who was guilty of the one of the most horrible sins you can commit? Notice how he talks to her. Do you notice he said, woman? We don't understand that because today that may be harsh. But back in the days of Jesus, that would be like saying lady today. It was a term of respect, and I just got to guess this may have been the first kind word this woman had ever heard in her life. And very tenderly, he says, woman, where are those that condemn you? I bet when he said woman, her ears perked up, her attendant went up, and then all of a sudden she came to the realization, this is not some ordinary dude here. This guy is different. As a matter of fact, he is so incredibly different, I believe he is God. As a matter of fact, here is this amazing thing. You know what I love about this story? Everybody that wanted to condemn this woman was unqualified to do it. And the one person that was qualified didn't want to do it. Ain't that strange? All these other guys were saying, watch this ball, baby. I could, I could pull that trigger right now. But the one that was totally justified, had he chosen to stone her, he said, I'm not in the rock throwing business. And this day, this woman thought was the worst day of her life, could have been the last day of her life, was the best day of her life. See, Jesus said those words that are music to our ears. In verse 11, neither do I condemn thee. I'm qualified. I'm certified. I'm perfect. 
and you're not, and if I stone you right now, you will have no complaints, and I wouldn't have a thing to regret. But you know what? I'm not in the rock-throwing business. Now, and that raises the million-dollar question, why didn't he? The law of Moses demanded it. He would have been justified in doing it, so why didn't he? A couple reasons. First of all, because of the cross. I want you to understand something, because so often I forget what I'm about to tell you myself. Every time you mess up, every time you foul up, and you go to God and you say, God, I messed up. God, I fouled up. Will you forgive me? God looks at you and he says, yes, I forgive you. You know what it costs God to do it? It costs God his son to tell you that. And when Jesus Christ looked at that woman and said, I don't condemn you either, you know why he could say that? He knew he was going to go to the cross and die for what he, she said she had got caught doing. So I want you to understand something. Forgiveness is absolutely, but it's not cheap. It's not free. And it's not cheap because it caused Jesus Christ, his blood, to say to this woman and to say to you, I do not condemn you. Second reason Jesus forgave her is because of her confession. She said to him in verse 11, no one, Lord. Lord, you just met him. You haven't talked to this man about five minutes. Lord, and yet in that momentous moment, she knew she wasn't just talking to a man. She was talking to God. And she says, you are Lord. And she not only found forgiveness, she found faith. And she said, you know what? No matter what you do to me or what you do with me, you're going to be the Lord of my life. You are that kind of Lord I want to follow. I want to follow God who will love me, a God who will be gracious to me, a God who will be merciful to me, a God who is not in the rock-throwing business. You are my Lord. I want you to think tonight. Have you ever been in that situation where you felt that you've, you failed God and you thought, man, I just, can't, I just can't walk down that aisle. I'm afraid what somebody might say. I'm afraid what people would think. You're saying, man, I didn't mean to. And that's how the devil always does it. He doesn't mean to. You know, he gets us laughing. He gets us joking about it. I mean, we turn on the TV today. And I've always talked about my favorite TV show was Leave it to Beaver. I love that show. I mean, Beaver always found himself in some kind of trouble. And he was always scared to go home. He was afraid, man, what's dad going to do? You know, or when he had to be in the teacher's office. And, and I, I put myself in that shoes and I think, man, how would I react? You know, what would people think about me? And then today we turn on the TV and we got to watch everything. Here's what the TV does today. You turn on the show. You begin to watch that TV show. They let you get through the first, the second, the third episode. And it's like, oh, man, this is a good show. And then here come the fourth episode. And then they slip it in on you. And you're like, man, 
Why would they mess up this show? You see what he did? He pulled you in. And when you pulled you in, you didn't realize that he was locking you in on something. And then when you get into it, you get so far in and you realize, man, I shouldn't have gotten here. And then you want to back out and you know you need to back out. And then the devil says, well, if you back out now, what's everybody else going to say about you? you? And people might not even have any idea, but the devil wants you to think so. And like I said this morning, you're afraid to come back. And we see church member after church member start in the front of the pew, work their way to the middle, sitting in the back. And then what happened? All because we didn't think about if we were in their shoes. How would we want people to think? How would we want people to act? And I'm here to tell you something. That's the same thing that this woman experienced. When you come to the cross of Jesus Christ and you look Jesus Christ right in the eyes and you don't have to tell Jesus what you are, what you are he knows what you are. I don't even have to tell you what I've done. You know what I've done. I'm asking you to forgive me. He looks at you and he says, I don't condemn you. As a matter of fact, I want you to jot down this reference, if you will. Romans 8 and verse 1. Write that down. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So you want to know how God reacts when you really fouled it up? You know what he says? I don't condemn you. I'm not in the rock throwing business. Here's the question. I want us to ask ourselves, if Jesus Christ is that compassionate and that loving and that tender and that gracious with an adulterous woman, how much more compassionate should we be about others? Let me plug this in. We started a new adult Bible class lesson on loving our enemies. If you haven't gone or you haven't been, I want to encourage you to go. Because you know what? Loving our enemies could even be our friends, not just the ones that we don't know. Don't throw rocks. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the lessons that we find here in this scripture. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would take it. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we would ponder it. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would remember, keep it in the forefront of our mind, Lord, as we try to reach a world with the gospel. And Father, may we show the same compassion and love to those who need it, because we still need it. We love you in Jesus' precious name. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.